If you have your Bibles, open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and, and they'll get one to you. We're going through our series in 1 Corinthians. It's been entitled Tough Love because God is really dealing with this group of people, this church, and he's dealing with them in a way that confronts both the areas where they're wrong but also builds up them so that they can have strength together as the church is supposed to to have. Last week we were in chapter 8 and we kind of, just to recap, we talked about just food that was sacrificed to idol and how, you know, all of us struggle with that issue. Um, That's a joke, by the way. Um, Actually, we, we talked about how the freedoms and the rights that we have cannot be understood in a community by knowledge. That knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That to dwell in a community like a church, a faith community, that it is not enough to have information, but what we need is discernment that comes from God and concern for one another so that we are not individuals, but we think of each other. And we don't want to do anything that is going to cause someone else to have a struggle in their faith. And so what we want to do is help people, and sometimes that means giving up our freedoms and giving up our rights. And that's a hard sell to us as Americans because we're the land of the free and and we're all about our freedoms. But there's something bigger here. There's a bigger picture that we need to see and there's more understanding that actually helps us to be even freer still if we will embrace what God has for us for the benefit of his people. And Paul is moving forward and talking about these things. He he tells how he's laid down his rights and why. In the chapter that we're going to go into, he's going to explain why he's laid down his rights, what he's laid down, and what we need to do is ask ourselves, how do we lay down our rights? What does that look like for us, and, and why should we? And let's start reading because I want to try and get through the whole chapter here. Verse 1, it says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And so Paul starts off and he tells them how he has to defend his apostleship. We saw this in the beginning, that there were people who questioned Paul's authority. And he, he gives the two reasons, basically, of why he is legitimately apostle. One is that he saw the Lord on the road to Damascus, and the other is that he was instrumental in bringing them to a place of spiritual awakening, that God used him by the Holy Spirit to lead them to this relationship of Christ. And you see, the apostle status was very important, especially in the first century, the first church. I mean, if I were to say, you know, I want to introduce someone to you, the apostle Peter is going to come, you know, you'd give a tent, well, you'd be amazed because he'd be over two, you know, 2,000 years old, but you would give credibility to him because this is one of the people who was with Jesus. And that's why we talk about a apostolic authority. What that means is those people who were with Jesus, who now have given us the scriptures, who have given us the things that he said and have been in the privy of those 
inside intimate conversations with the Lord himself, they have a unique place in the church as a whole. And so Paul is saying, I have this place because I did see the Lord. He did speak to me. He did give me instruction of what I was to do. He spent time with the apostles. But more importantly, he says, I am to you because I was instrumental in being a benefit to you and in your life. I led you to this understanding of who Christ is. And so he has this authority in their lives. He goes on in verse 3 and he says, This is my defense to those who sit in judgment of me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brother and Cephas, which is Peter? Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? And so what Paul is doing now is he's saying he has the right to receive aid from these people. He has this right because of who he is. He didn't claim these things because he didn't want to give ammunition to the people who were saying, oh, you know, Paul's just in it for the money. He just wants something. You can't trust him. He says, I'm not going to give you the benefit of that. I'm not going to require or ask of that for you, but don't I have that right? As someone who has been instrumental in your life in leading you to Christ, don't I have the right that the other apostles do who didn't have this instrumental place in your life? And so what he's doing is basically letting them know that he has this right. Remember, this is about what we do with the rights that we have. I have this right to ask these things of you, but I didn't. I didn't press you in this way. He goes on in verse 7 and he says, Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right on the contrary We put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel. And so now Paul kind of gets to the heart of what he's talking about. He's speaking that everyone has a right to partake in something that they're contributing to. Soldiers have that right. You know, they get their rations. They get those kind of benefits. They get, you know, medical benefits if they're sick and those kinds of things. They get fed whether they like the food or not, they get those powdered things, you know, that they put in when they're out in the field. At least I think they do. That's what they do in the movies. I have to ask my son. Um, They get certain benefits. The person who is part of the vineyard, he gets to eat the grapes. The farmer gets to drink the milk from the cow. If they're planting a field, they get the harvest of the field. Those things are common. 
And the Lord has said, you don't muzzle the ox that treads on the grain. And it wasn't for the ox's sake. It was that ox is going to be a benefit to you. It's for your sake. And so there's this pattern that is there telling them that everyone who puts into something gets something from that. And he concludes by saying, if we have invested into you spiritual things, shouldn't we be able to receive from you material things? Now, this is weird because, you know, here I am a pastor talking about the rights of pastors to, you know, get these things. And the Corinthians were a difficult bunch. Paul is having to defend the right that he has and that pastors have to receive financial aid from the people that they serve. And he's telling them this because this is something that they were in their fractured state deciding whether they're going to help or not. And Paul says, forget it. I don't want that help. You know, personally, I think it stinks to be a pastor and have to receive financial aid because it's humbling. It's humbling to have to say, "Um, you know, how did I do this week? You know, do I get paid? You know, are we, are we good? It's putting your life in, in the hands of people. I mean, we have a, a set up here in our, I guess, church government, if you want to call that sound so official. Um, and if you knew us, you would know that's, we're legal. You know, we're, we're anyway, <laughs> just thought I'd let you know that part. <laughs> This is all legal. Uh, but we have a board that determines my pay. I don't just set the rules. You know, I don't write the checks to myself. And it's kind of a humbling thing. I wish I was independently wealthy. So I didn't have to depend on those things. So I wouldn't... You don't like what I say? Tough. You know, who cares? You can't write my check anymore. You know, I'm going to say what I want to say. And the truth is, I have to say the truth anyway, whether you like it or not. But there is this tension and this relationship that is supposed to be there. You see, I need to be dependent on you and I need to give to you. And it's good that you are a part of that with me as well. There is something that is supposed to happen dynamically with this relationship so that I am not off to myself some king who who reigns over this, that there is actually a relationship that takes place. Whereas I share of myself to you and you share of those things that I try and help out in in your lives, that there is a dynamic there. And Paul is saying, if I'm investing these things to you, Shouldn't I be able to receive those things? And, and what are we investing? We're investing spiritual things, eternal things, things that matter to the soul, to the heart, to the life of a person, things that are very, very important. And we need to see those things as important. It's funny, my daughter is dating a young man. That's not the funny part. That's the serious part. Uh, The funny part is that she had no idea when she started liking this guy that he was the son of a pastor. Karina and I thought that was a hoot. Uh, (laughs) Because she's been so, why did you have to be a pastor anyway? And now she's dating a guy who's in the same situation. We're like, that's funny. (laughs) And it's funny because they have so many things in common growing up. They've watched the same McGee and Me videos and all this stuff, you know, that... 
But one of the things that they were talking about the other day is he's telling or Lauren, he's saying, you know, my dad, sometimes I wonder what he does. He's like off talking to people and then all I know is he comes home all stressed, you know, and Lauren's like, yeah, mine too, you know. When you involve yourself in people's lives, you involve yourself with kind of the mess sometimes of people's lives. And it's something that's difficult to, to hear with the people you know and love and to walk beside them and you carry a burden in those people. You, you care for them and how they do and how they move forward in their lives in these areas. And that's the role that a pastor is supposed to take. And so Paul is saying, if we're involved in this spiritual aspect and giving of ourselves to help you move forward in this relationship you have with the living God, then isn't it okay to get a benefit from that? You see, we, we need you to care for us as pastors and we need to care for you spiritually. In healthy community, there is that sense of relationship that needs to be there. But Paul moves forward and he, he lays down his rights gladly because he doesn't want to hinder the gospel. And you see, this is the characteristic that is so important of what he said in the last chapter and what he's trying to convey here is that even though I have the right to ask this of you, because it is not beneficial for the gospel, I will lay it down. I will not demand my rights because there's something more important. And you see, for us to give up our rights, we have to elevate the gospel of Christ above our own rights. And that's for all of us, not just pastors. That's for every one of us. And that's something that we want to be able to do in every area of our life. We want to be able to give of ourselves and this gospel message and place it in a place of priority. And we can't do that without the Lord's help. Because we, we tend to always come back to this place of wanting of ourselves, of wanting to get our own, of wanting what we deserve. And Paul's saying, I deserve this, but I didn't demand it. I gave it down because there's something more important. And we need to have this idea of the gospel, the message, the truth of who Christ is as being more important than just what we want. And this is crucial. This is foundational. It's foundational in our lives, in our relationship with God, in our relationships with one another as well. We can only lay down our rights if we value Jesus and his gospel more. Paul is saying, I'm willing to decrease that he might increase, even as John the Baptist said. I'm going to allow Jesus to be honored more than what I want of myself. And so we have to ask ourselves, is that our posture? Do I think that way? Or is this really about me getting all that I can? Because if that is the case, then it's going to be detrimental to us, to our relationships with other people in a community. Just like Paul talked about last week, he's presenting it again this week. Let's go on in verse 13. He says, Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. 
The Lord talked about this in uh, Matthew 10 when they sent the disciples out to go to the homes and he said the workman is worthy of his hire. Don't take food or clothing because they'll take care of you. And, And he said it in Luke somewhere too. And so that's what he's referring to is those who are serving have a right to receive who they're getting the benefit from. In verse 15, he goes on, he says, but I have not used any of these rights. And I am not writing this in hope that you will do the, such things for me. And that's what you kind of think, don't you? When someone starts talking about this thing, well, you're talking about it, so we'll get, okay, you know, Paul's having a hard time. Let's take an offering, get Paul some shoes and a shirt. You know, let, let's come along and help him out. He's saying, no, that's, I'm not doing it for that reason. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. And now you see Paul, you can really see his emotion and heart coming out of this. You guys have been giving me a hard time. I've done nothing but pour into you. And now you're saying I just want it for something. I'd rather die than lose this opportunity of boasting. And it's almost like Paul is just really expressing himself. But before, you know, he can really go too far in this feeling that he has of just like, oh, you guys, you know, he thinks, oh man, crud, I'm writing Holy Scripture here. I got to get back into line. And he goes on and he says, verse 16, yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And Paul is saying, I'm compelled. It's not that I can boast even in this. I, I was knocked off my donkey. The bright light shined on me. And he said, you got to do this for me. And I was kind of put in the situation where I have to do this. I, I'm compelled to preach. The gospel is so powerful that now I am laying down what I would have right to what is owed to me for a reward. And I'm doing this for Jesus alone. He goes on and he says, if I preach, verse 17, voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. So if I do it just because I want to, that's my reward. I'm I'm not doing this for my benefit. I'm doing it this because I want to. Otherwise, I'm just doing what I have to do. Verse 18, he says, What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. And so Paul is saying, the reward I have is being able to do this freely because what I want to do is give this gospel not because I have to, not because I'm getting paid, but because I want to see this message move forward. I had the most amazing time and dinner with my son the other night. I helped a friend move in a very difficult situation. It was very emotional, and I just I was out in the area where he lives in Orange County, and I sent him a text message, and I said, Sushi? Question mark? Because he knows what that means. That means let's eat sushi. Um, Because he loves sushi too. And so he said, where are you? And I told him the dialogue. And, you know, I said, hey, my treat. Um, Let's meet somewhere. And we went and met this place. And we sat down. And I started talking to him. And he's involved with ministry. And he's going up to uh, retreat to help out with the high school kids that he's overseeing. And he was telling me this story 
of one of the kids. It's a great kid, but he's in a bad situation. His dad, who he lives with, was just evicted from an apartment. The kid's been giving money to his dad, all the money he has, and still they got evicted, and now the kid has no money to go for the retreat. He's got to go now live with his mom, who's with another guy, and it's just awful. And so Daniel asked the group, what was necessary? Are there any scholarships? What can we do to help this kid out? They said, well, we can help out a little. And so my son said, well, I'll, I'll pay for the rest. I want this kid to go. You know, and as a dad, I'm just like touched, you know, to see the heart of Christ in my son. And he got a phone call from this kid's dad and said, you know, I just need to tell you how much it means to me that you would care for my son. He's a good boy, and I've been a lousy dad. I've been a lousy dad. But that he has someone like you who cares for him, it, it's just meant the world for me. And he told me how much that meant for him. And you see, there's a reward that comes by just doing what God calls us to do that fills our life with the joy of God. He didn't do it because he had to. He didn't do, oh, I guess I have to do this, help this kid out. He wanted to. He did it freely because he was compelled by Christ. God moved upon his heart, and in that love for this young boy, he received a great reward. And you see, that's how it is with us when we are moved, not because we have to, but because we want to, there is a reward that we receive. Jesus was right when he said it is more blessed to give than to receive and so paul is understanding that and he says i'm not going to lose this you have nothing on me i'm doing this freely because this is what i want to do and he lets them know that this is his desire in verse 19 he goes on he says though i am free and belong to no man i make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. We have to stop there and understand what that means at this time and in this culture when slavery was something that was very common. Even though I am free, I am going to be a slave to who? To everyone. The whole purpose of your life in that time was to gain status and freedom. That was it. If I can get out of this slavery, if I can buy my freedom, if I can attain that. And Paul is saying, I'm willing to give up what I have and not just be a slave to one person, but to everybody. That would be a shock. This is quite a statement that he's making here. Verse 20 says, To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. And so Paul 
talks about how he's experienced salvation in Christ and he has been set totally free, but that freedom has now put him to a place where he is willing to be a slave to everyone if it might help them to gain the freedom that he has gained in Christ. Again, there is something bigger, there is something better, there is something more important than every benefit that I have in my life, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It moves me so that I will give it all up to help some. To the Jews, I will identify with them. I am not under that Jewish law, but I understand what it takes to win them. And so I will give up my rights to eat bacon or chorizo or whatever it is, you know, and go and minister to them so that they can have an understanding that I care about them. I'm not wanting to use my freedom and say, look what I can eat, you know, ha ha ha, shrimp dipped in butter, you know, I mean, why do I go to food? I don't know. I'm Italian. Um, he goes to them and he says, I am willing to give up the freedoms that I can enjoy if I can help you to see Christ. And to the Gentiles, I'm not going to put on them the law. And, and even though I can identify them, I'm still under Christ's law. I have these boundaries in my own life. But I'm going to do all that I can to help them to understand who Jesus is. The point is, I give up my rights so that I can become whatever this person needs that they can come to Christ either to help them to faith or help them in their faith, I am willing to give it up because there is something more important than my rights, than my freedoms. There is something that I have given myself up to as being more important. And think about this. What if we had this attitude? What if we had this attitude at work? What can I do? How can I present myself become a servant to the people I work around so that I might win them to Christ? What if we did that at school with the people we hang out with? More importantly, how would you do that at home? Because that's where it really matters, isn't it? How can I better be a servant to my wife, to my children, to my husband, to my brothers, to, to help my family? What can I do to give up my rights to help them out? Because that's where it's most necessary. And this is a mindset that we need to have in life because once it starts becoming about me, it's a vacuum that never gets filled. You can pour into yourself, into yourself, into yourself, and you will always have that craving. By the way, we're having the Crave series on Thursday nights. <laughs> Just happened to fit. But what we crave and what we desire cannot be filled by anything other than than becoming the servant of Christ. And we will cause detriment to our lives if we don't recognize that. But when we do recognize that, it brings true freedom. And so Paul is telling the Corinthians, I'm not holding on to my rights. I'm becoming a servant to whoever I could see, whoever I know. And that's something that we need to understand as well. How can I serve people at work, my home, my neighbors? And he doesn't say, say that he wins all of them. That's not his job. But he becomes what he can to help. You see, to share in the gospel blessings is what he wants. And notice he goes from rewards earlier. In the last of verse 21, he says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Blessings is joy, it's happiness. I give up everything to receive blessing. 
And if we would have that posture and that mindset, it would infect our lives and infect those around us, a good infection. It would influence the sphere of our, the people we're around. And so Paul presents these things of who he is and what he is doing so that we could see that this is really what Jesus did. See, Paul is giving us an example, but Jesus was his example. And he is our example as well. This is how we are supposed to live. And we need to ask ourselves, is this how we're living? And don't answer that because I can answer that for you. No, not fully. Not as much as we can. Some areas were good. You know, usually moms with their kids, you guys do great. You moms love your kids and you give and you give and you give. But then with your husband, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we need to do it at work. We need to do it with family. We need to do it with each other. It's not about our rights and what we can have. It's about what we can give. Again, if we had an, an attitude of IOU rather than you owe me, we'd be so much better. We'd be so much stronger as a community and as people. He goes on in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it a slave, my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize." Paul challenges them and he challenges us to take the gospel of Jesus more seriously. This, this is important. And he talks and gives these examples about a person running to win, the, to win that race. They don't just run to run, they run to win something. And Paul doesn't care if you run, he cares if you win. You see these people who are athletes when they're in training and how much they train and how much they invest. Think of, was it Mark Phelps before the bong incident, you know, before uh, how much he gave into training to be the best swimmer that he could. He still trains. But so many times we're like, ah, you know, I'm going to run this race. Uh, I'm going to take up biking now because running's a little hard. Ah, biking's hard too. I'm going to take up cooking. Okay, yeah, I'm going to cook. You know, Paul isn't saying, I just want you to, to run and see how you like it. You've got to try and win. And he throws this word in disqualified that kind of shakes us up. Like disqualified, what does he mean by? And he doesn't qualify what he means by disqualified. He just kind of throws it out there. Like, don't be disqualified. And it's like, what? I, I said a prayer. I'm okay, right? I'm going to heaven. What, what's the deal here? You see, you need to take this a little bit more seriously. This isn't about being in the race. This is about winning the race. This is about fighting and winning. 
This isn't that Tai Bo thing that was happening a while back. You know, you just kind of fight the air. I want you to hit something. I want you to be victorious in something. I want you to give of yourself to this because this is very important. This is crucial. And I think we lose the sense of how important this is. And how do you try and present something that is spiritual that you can't get your hands on to someone and let them know that, you know, even though you can't tangibly hold this, this is substance for your soul. And if you don't take this to your soul, you might be disqualified. I don't run just to run. I run to win the prize. I don't fight as someone who just fights the air. I beat my own body. I want to have this victory. I want to win. And you need to have this attitude because if we don't, we get lulled into this about me. What can I get out of this? How can I satisfy myself? And once again, we find out that nothing satisfies us because we were made for another world. And so instead of spinning our wheels and giving of ourselves to things that won't matter, run and win. And Paul gives us reasons how he laid down his life and they're just as applicable to us today, and I want to kind of just go over three of these things. The first thing that we see in this passage that we read is that we desperately need Jesus. He is central. He is foundational. He is our role model. He is our life. We need and are dependent on Jesus for forgiveness, for inspiration, for power, for example, he is our model of life. We need that constantly. There is a dependency on Jesus that Paul had that says, my rights do not matter. It's what Jesus is about. That's what the gospel is. Jesus come, dying and rising again. That is preeminent. That is crucial. That is substance. That is what lasts. And we need to recognize that. Because a lot of times we have this idea that, well, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. But let me ask you, is your relationship with Jesus something that you would want on someone else? Would you t want the relationship you have with Jesus to say, hey, yeah, you're my friend. I would want you to have the same relationship that I have with Jesus. Or is your relationship with Jesus one that's, well, I kind of feel guilty sometimes and I don't really do what I'm supposed to and I don't really treat him the way I should. It's kind of a bummer, really, kind of sitting on the fence. I'm not really hot. I'm not really cold. You know, it's not a good place. If I remember in Revelation, you know, that lukewarm thing. Is your relationship with Jesus one that you would want someone else to have? Because if it's not, then it's probably not foundational and central. There's probably something else that is. The second thing that we see in Paul is that Jesus changed Paul to be a lover of people. He really cared. He cared so much that he was willing to stop eating meat if that would help. He cared so much that he was willing to lay down his rights to receive financial aid if it would help the gospel. He cared so much about what others benefited 
that he would be their slave if it would help them to get to this place of Christ. And you see, one of the characteristics about being a follower and having Jesus foundational in our lives, central in our lives, is that we will love others. It is the mark that he is with us. All men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do we have that love for one another? Or again, is it just inward? I love those who love me. I love those who can benefit my life. I love those who are cool. Paul became a lover of everyone. It pushed him. And you see, it takes love to bring about change in our lives. Again, we see this example, and we talked about this a little bit on Thursday when we talked about intimacy and how our desire for intimacy, our craving for intimacy, moves us to do things. And we, we have little understanding of what unconditional love is, but sometimes parents have that for their kids. And you will move the world if you can to help your children. And God says, good, I've put that within you, and I want to make that grow to extend outside of your family to other people as well. And we see that Paul gave sacrificially, just like Jesus did, to help others. And so loving others is another thing that is foundational to what Paul did. And the third thing is he would not be, tour, be detoured from the reward or the blessing that came from Christ. In other words, there was something that captured his heart his attention and became his goal that wasn't about him. It was about Christ. And he wouldn't be steered away from getting that prize. And it takes determination to, to live a life of faith and following after Christ. It, it takes love. It, it takes dependency. It takes these things and they are the things that we need. And these are examples for us that Christ would be our foundation, that we would love even as he has loved us, and that we wouldn't be steered away by anything. That we would allow this to be the passion of our lives. And C.S. Lewis put it this way, he says, if you put the first things first, you get the second thing as well. If you put the second thing first, you lose everything. And that means if you love God first, he will give you the other things that your life needs. If you don't love God first, you will have nothing. Because loving God makes me a better dad. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a better person. Having this relationship with God makes me the servant that I need to be. But when I don't have that, Everything else gets neglected. Everything else hurts because the priority is wrong. This is how we were made. This is what our lives need. Paul recognized it, and we need to recognize it too. Let's pray. Lord God, this is such an incredible example of how we are to lay down our lives, 
how we are to give up our rights, how we are to pursue you seriously. And Father, I know in my going through this passage, I see so many areas in, in me that need work, that need to surrender. There are so many things that I want to hold on to, my pride, and so many things, God, that thinks I'm entitled, someone owes me, I've been wronged, whatever it might be, God. There is only freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, unless we commit ourselves to you and make you the priority in our lives, nothing will be right. We will not see clearly. Our lives will be out of skew and, and we will not only hurt ourselves, but we will hurt those around us. There is a necessity to making you our goal. That your desire your gospel would be our desire. And so I, I pray you would help us, Lord. I pray you would open our eyes and our understanding to those places within us that just are selfish or are blind or, or are complacent, where we, we don't care like we should that this life with you isn't what it, it should be. And I pray that you would Show us, give us just a glimpse, a taste, God, of what you have for us if we would surrender. The life that lays before us that is overwhelming, that could not only change us, but change the world around us, the people around us, the family, the workplace, God. You want to do so much. And if we would have this desire to to see how we could be better people in all these areas for the gospel's sake, Lord. What would it do? How would our world change? How would our families change? How would our friends change? God, I believe this is a challenge for us, and Lord, by your Spirit, help us. We desire these things. In Jesus' name. Amen.